Good morning. All right, in 1991, a song came out that changed the world. Well, not really changed the world. It was just really popular, and I really liked it. Um, has anyone here heard of the song, Life, Life is a Highway? All right, seriously? Who's heard of the song, Life is a Highway? Okay, there we go. That's a little bit more accurate. Okay, so it says, Life is a Highway, I'm going to ride it all night long, right? And it, it was very catchy, and we sang it, but really, it's kind of true, right? Life is a highway. We have a starting point. We have a destination. We're born. We die. Okay? We go from here to there. But it's more than just the entirety of our lives. We have lots of little journeys that we go on the way. We have journeys called school and work and family. And we have lots of little things that start in one place and end in another. We are very comfortable and we are very, um, we have a very good knowledge of the concept of going from here to there. Now, sometimes we need a guide to help us go from here to there. And like when you're trying to travel, it used to be really helpful to have a map. They used to have these things called maps, and they were on pieces of paper. And my parents would keep a stack of them in the glove box, and you could pull them out, and you can like unravel them and spread them out on the floor. And I loved doing that. And when we moved to Texas, that map was huge. And I used to love to follow the lines and see where things went. And it was really, really cool. And I didn't know how to refold them up, so my parents didn't like that as much. But now we have something even better, right? We have a better guidance tool. We have the GPS. And it's this little box that you can put on your car. And all you have to do is you type in your here and you're there. And then it gives you the directions. And better yet, for people like me, see, when you tell me, hey, Brian, you need to take a left on Wanamaker, I take both hands off the steering wheel and I put my fingers up to make sure I know which one's left, okay? Now it says, turn left, and there's a little picture of it there on the screen. It goes, oh, I can turn this way. We understand the concept of from here to there, and we understand the concept of being guided. And what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about being guided in our spiritual lives. What does it look like from God, for God to guide us from here to there? To look at that this morning, we're going to start in the book of Numbers. I invite you to turn, turn there. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 9. And we're going to start by looking how God guided these saints, these people in the Old Testament, as He was trying to get them from here to there. And then we're going to look at how God is guiding us now. And some tips of the trade that we can use to help ourselves be guided. But let's begin in Numbers chapter 9. Right before we read the passage, though, I want to set you up of where we are. You see, the Israelites have just been rescued out of Egypt. God had come and He had done ten plagues and He had shown that He was more powerful than any of the forces going on in Egypt and rescued His people from Pharaoh's hand and brought them out. And he brought them to the Red Sea. And at the Red Sea, he parted the Red Sea and made the land dry so they could walk across. And they walked across and then he crushed the Egyptian people with the water. And then when we're there on the other side, when they did not have food, when they did not have drink, he gave them manna from heaven. He made quail appear. He got water from a rock. And then he brought them to Sinai and he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law because he was on a journey with them. He was taking them from here to there. And he was taking them to that promised land. The promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of land and seed and blessing forever. They were on the way. 
And now God was going to show them how he was leading. Verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. And at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. It's a very simple passage, if not very repetitive. When the pillar of cloud or when the pillar of fire, when they appeared... And they would stay camped over the tabernacle. The people of Israel would stay camped. When it moved, they moved. They had a tangible, visible leading, a guide in their lives. And there's something about that that's attractive, isn't it? There's something about that as if I just could go in my living room. And I could just have something that I could see. And if it would just move when I was supposed to move and stay when I was supposed to stay and help me make decisions, I wouldn't mess up. You see, the people of Israel followed it for a while. Verse 23. At the command of the Lord they camped, and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. When Moses would see it, he'd say, we're going. And they would go. And they'd follow. And this worked well for a while. But I want to tell you that this wasn't a perfect plan. It was a perfect plan from God's perspective, but not from the people. Because a short five chapters over, let's take a look at what happened. Let's flip to Numbers 14.1. As we get up to Numbers 14.1 in chapter 13, they have sent the spies out into the land. They're about to send these spies, or they sent these spies out to check out what was going on so that they could report back to the people so that they could get ready for this conquest because they are a people on a mission. God has told them that this land is theirs. He is guiding them by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And they're ready to go. And they send the spies out. And two come back and say, it's ours. We can take it. Joshua and Caleb, they were not afraid of anything they saw. They said, the Lord has handed this over to us. Let's go get what we've been promised. But ten came back and said, man, look at the produce. It's great. The land is plentiful and bountiful. But the men, they're very strong. And the cities, they're very big. And we can't do this. We can't go. We know that God is guiding us that way, but we think that is a mistake. We pick up in 14.1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They've made their decision. They're not going to follow the guidance of the Lord. It is too big. It is too scary. It's not what they think is best for them. So they want to turn back and go to slavery. If it sounds ridiculous, it is. It's because it is. 
In the next verse it says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. Then Moses and Aaron aren't listed for another few verses. People wonder, are they, are they sad? Did they pass out? Are they scared? What's going on? They went on their ground, on the ground before their God and began to intercede for the people. We see that in verse 13. They understand the rebellion that the people have just started and they know that it's not going to be pretty. And they're praying for their people. But then Joshua speaks up. And Caleb in verse 6. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. Verse 8. The Lord delights in us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. The onus is not on the people. This is not a battle that the people have to go and fight and win on their own. This is a land that God is going to give them. He is the one that is guiding them from here to there and is trying to get them to the land that He promised. He is going to give them everything that they need. But verse 9 says, only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They are going to eat their lunch. I'm going to put that in a better way. They are going to eat them for lunch. This is not up for grabs. This has been decided. Look at the rest of the verse. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. God is guiding us from here to there. We do not need to be ashamed. We do not need to be afraid. We need to go in and with faith and courage take what the Lord is providing. And the people wouldn't go. And so Moses, in 13 through 19, Moses and Aaron pray for the people. And they say, God, do you really want to be known as the God who was strong enough to get the people out of Egypt, but was not strong enough to get them into the promised land? And God says, I'm going to grant you some of what you ask. I am going to make of this group a people to go into the promised land. But the group that saw my wonders, the group that saw what I was capable of, that group is going to die in the wilderness. And for 40 years, the people walked in circles in a wilderness. As the Bible says, it was full of bodies of the people who refused to be guided from here to there. You see, they had a tangible, visible, something they could see. And what happens when something is in our face all the time? We get bored. We begin to not notice it anymore. And then we throw it away for our own reasoning. We feel that we know better. Let's just be honest. We feel that there's something deep inside of us that we know what's best for us. And if we just follow our gut, if we just follow the things that we know, we will make a better decision. And the Israelites show us that that is not the way to go. So what about us? I haven't seen a pillar of cloud. I haven't seen a pillar of fire. How are we guided today? Well, we have it better than they did. And I'm glad to sit up here today and tell you that we get to trade in our cloud and our fire for word and spirit. We have God's word and we have God's spirit. And that is how he is guiding us from here to there. So let's talk about what those terms mean, here and there. 
The reality is, is when every one of us was born, we start in the same place. We start here. And here is an open rebellion against God. We start as an enemy of God that is born in the kingdom of darkness. Every one of us. But through the blood of Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection, those who come to place their trust in him, who say, not by my righteousness, but your righteousness, they come to have eternal life and they start on this journey from here to there. We all start in the same place here and all of us are on a spiritual journey, whether we like it or not. Because God has created us as spiritual beings. But the reality of where we are today is that everyone's here is different. You're not going to get a blank to fill in for here. That is where you are, and only you can know that. We have people in here who do not have a relationship with Jesus. It would be my prayer today that you become so enamored with what he has done for us that you would want to meet him today. Some of us have started that relationship with Jesus. Some of us have been walking down that path for a while. Some of us are near the end of that walk with Jesus. But none of us are there. You see, I don't know where here is for you, but I can tell you where there is. There is the verse that's listed for you, Romans 8, 29, to be conformed into the likeness of the Son. You see, we commonly want to get together and we say, I just want to know what God's will for me is. I just want to know what God wants me to do. What, what does God want me to do with my time now? And I can answer that question for all of you. He wants you to be conformed into the likeness of His Son. And He is going to take us on different paths and we are not going to look the same as we get there. But the reality is, is when we are with Him one day, we will be conformed to His likeness because that is our destiny. And so we are being guided from here to there. And God has given us two things He uses. The first is His Word. He uses the Bible. You see, I commonly hear believers talk about, I just wish that I had a word from the Lord. I just need a word from the Lord to help me out here. Can, can someone give me a word? And that line of reasoning gets very dangerous. Because when we talk about needing a word from the Lord, oftentimes we're looking for something outside of God's word. And we start adding stuff outside of God's word that is a word from the Lord. We open up ourselves to texts that we would not agree with. Because we are not in search of a word from the Lord. We need to search the word of the Lord. You see, in this book, these 66 books that make up what we call the Bible, God has given us everything we need to know for life, for doctrine, for faith, and for fellowship. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says this. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped or competent, equipped for every good work. You see, what we believe is these are the very words of God, that he breathed them out, that he gave them to men and women who recorded them down so that we will have them without error. The very words of God. Why is that important? Because when we are searching out life's decisions, when we're searching out what do I need to do, what do I need to know, where is God taking me, we get to go to the very words of God. 
We don't have to rest on our gut. We don't have to rest on some book. We don't have to rest on what other people are telling us. We get the very words of God that equip us for everything of life and practice. And then we have the Spirit of God. And you talk about the Spirit of God and people start getting a little nervous. You're talking about something mystical. You're talking about something I don't fully understand. You're talking about something makes me a little nervous. i got to tell you this morning, we can't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that is indwelling and in everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. If you are a believer, you have been given the Spirit. He is the first fruits of what is coming for you in eternity. You have been given that deposit. And the Spirit of the Holy God lives in you. What does that mean? Well, that means that He is at work helping you to understand God's very words. See, if that sounds like something that's a little scary, if that sounds like something that's a little frightening, know that it was frightening for the disciples too. You see, the disciples, when they were in the upper room with Jesus, started to hear Jesus talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be killed, I'm going to, be, I'm going to raise you a new life, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And they're like, are you crazy? You can't go. We need you. You're starting this kingdom. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. Why would you leave us? And Jesus said, I know you don't understand now, but it is better for you that I go. Because when I go, my Father will send the Spirit. And see, as you read the Gospels, you come to these phrases all the time where it says, the disciples did not understand what he was saying then. But after the resurrection, the Spirit brought these things to their mind and they went, it makes so much sense. I understand now what he was saying. And then when the Spirit came at Pentecost, the church exploded. Because it is the power of God given to believers on our journey from here to there. You see, he has the ministry of illumination, and that's a word that we don't use a whole lot, but think of a light bulb. And I do not have an electrical degree, so if I, if I don't use the right terms, please forgive me. But a light bulb has like the lighting element, and it's got the glass thing that magnifies it and illuminates it out so everyone else can see. Well, or it makes it brighter. Well, we are that, we're that glass, we're that bulb. And without the light that's in us, we don't really have anything to shine. And so what God does is He illuminates that text in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. He brings those things to the surface so we can see the applications that we need to make. We can see the teaching that we need to go and give someone else. And then we're able to shine that out to a world that desperately needs to know. Because what the Spirit is doing is He is letting us know the very words of God. So how are we guided? We're guided by the Word of God through the Spirit of God. So what does that look like for us? What are the tips of the trade? What are the things that we need to know so that we can live out this life and be guided by a holy God? The first thing that I want to call you guys to do this morning is to get in the Word. I want you to get in the Word. And I want you not to have just little times where you get in the Word. I want to make getting in the Word one of the most important habits of your life. I believe that it needs to be something that you do personally, devotionally. If you have not connected to the My Journey yet, I cannot recommend it highly enough to you. Go out to that table. 
Buy a journal. If you don't have five bucks to buy a journal, ask for it. They'll give it to you. We want all of our people to be in God's Word for themselves. And right now, we're reading a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, a little Psalms. We're making connections. We're seeing things. We're answering questions. We are digging deeper in God's Word because when we dig deeper in God's Word, God uses that to transform our hearts. We need to get together in smaller groups and what our church would call small groups and talk about the Word together. What are you hearing from the Word? What are you hearing from the Word? How can you sharpen me? How can I be held accountable by the things of the Word? You see, we need to stop defining our lives by what other people tell us our lives should be. What our lives need to look like is right here in the text. We need to be conformed to the likeness of God. How do I do that? You let the Word shape you. And you let others shape you through the Word. And I know it seems like I'm preaching to the choir here because you are here this morning. But we need to come and sit under the preaching of God's Word. Because I want to make no mistakes about it. It is not the talent of a speaker that does anything in your life. When something resonates in your heart, it is not because anybody gets up here and says it. When something resonates with you, it's because the Spirit of the living God is moving in your heart and is illuminating that text in your life saying, Come to me. Give it to me so that I can transform you. We need to be people of the Word. Because when we are not people of the Word, we start answering questions really foolishly. So right here at this church, Fellowship Bible Church, we talk about several environments of ways that we believe everyone needs to be plugged in. We believe everyone needs to be in worship, in a small group, in the Word, in service. And you'll go out and you'll ask someone, you'll pick up a phone and you'll say, hey, I really could use someone to serve in children's ministry or serve in greeting. Or I really need someone who could lead a small group. And the, pers- the person a lot of times will say, hey, I'll pray about that. I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of the time when people say, I'll pray about that, what they mean is, no, but I don't want to tell you right now. And then you get back and answer a lot of times, it looks like this. Man, I just really don't feel God leading me to serve right now. I'm just not feeling called to serve. And I'm just really feeling God say, you need to take some me time right now. And then you realize, you know what, that... It's not in Scripture. There's no such thing as people who are in Christ who don't serve. That's not here. There's no such thing as me time in Scripture. Well, there's the Sabbath. Yes, let's talk about the Sabbath. Here's what the Sabbath was. It was one day where you reflected on the goodness and the greatness of who God was and that He has provided for you so richly in the last six days that you can take a day, not work, and be okay before you bust it for another six Man, I I just don't really feel God calling me to give right now. I just don't feel that that's... Yes, because you can't find anywhere in Scripture where a believer is not sacrificing and giving. I'm not talking about amounts. The most praised giver in the Scripture outside of our God is a woman who gave the least amount possible because she gave out of her lack. But when we answer questions not based on the Word of God, but based on our own feelings and our guts, we go away from where God is taking us. He's taking us from here to the likeness of His Son. 
And a lot of times along the way, we don't like what that means. We look at those cities. We look at those big men. And we say we're scared. We want to go back that way. It requires too much of me right now. And God's saying, trust in me. You have my very words. If I was faithful in the past, I'll be faithful now. It's not on you. It's on me. Trust me. We need to be people of the book. We need to get in the word. The second thing we need to do is we need to audit our lives by the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not a tax person. You don't need to be worried when I say the word audit. But we understand what that word means. We need to audit our lives by the fruit of the Spirit. You see, if you have a child who's between the age of three and is down in the mountain and sixth grade, they sang a song today and it says, The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> Do you know why we sing that song? Because you memorize it. And all of a sudden, you got these nine things and you can audit your life by those nine things. Paul says, don't live your life by the flesh. Live your life by the Spirit of God. He talks about this in Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And for the next few verses, he lists out the desires of the flesh. He's saying, these are the things you don't want to do, but this is what you want your life to look like. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, when the Spirit is at work in you and you are giving Him free reign to transform your life, these are the fruit that He produces. He produces love. Are you a person who is loving? Produces peace. Are you a joyful person? Mm hmm. You see, I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm not all of these things. I'm not there. I'm here. I'm being guided. And what I want to do is conform my life to the Word of God so that the Spirit of God can come and say, You need to grow in patience with your children. You need to grow in the way you love my church. You need to grow in the way that you use self-control. And every time I go to the Word of God by the Spirit of God, these fruits become produced in my life. And I can audit my life by them and see how I'm doing. And see what the Spirit is doing within me. You see, as believers, we're all trying to get to the same there. And the there for all of us is to be conformed to the likeness of the Son. And if I were to ask you, I guarantee everyone's going to say, that's what I want. I want what God wants for me. And what I want to tell you this morning is, if that's what you want, if you want to be conformed to the likeness of the Son, this is the way God guides us. He, confines, he, can, he, <laughs> he conforms us by the Word of God, through the Spirit of God. You could try other paths, you could try other means, but if it's not by the Word of God or by the Spirit of God, you're turning back and going back toward Egypt. Let's be people of the Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. You have been oh so good and oh so, fief- oh so faithful to your people for generations. 
You were good and faithful to the Israelites. You led them by cloud and by fire. But you have given us something better. You have given us your very words. And you've given us the spirit of the living God who indwells each and every believer. Father, I pray that we would be people who take this seriously, that we'd be people of the book. As Matthew says, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth would speak. Father, I pray that we would hide your word in our heart, that we might not sin against you. Father, I pray that we'd be people who can audit our lives or the fruit of the Spirit, that we would see growth. Father, it's not okay for us to just pick and choose which of those that we want. These are all the fruit that you are trying to grow in us as the Spirit has free reign. Father, have your way with us. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.